I'm Lisa Stone. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Parenting Aces. This week's episode of the Parenting Aces podcast is something a little different. Instead of just having one or two guests, we have a whole panel this week. And it started with one of the Parenting Aces listeners and followers, Robert Garrett, who has a young son coming up through junior tennis. Robert reached out to me several months ago asking if we could do a podcast where he could come on and ask questions of an up-and-coming junior, an older junior, along with that junior's parents and coach. And I thought it was a great idea, but it's taken me this long to really pull it together. I reached out to several different junior coaches that I know, and it's with everybody's schedule, it's just very tough to coordinate something like this. But luckily, Coach Todd Whittem came through, and so this week you're going to hear from Coach Todd, one of his high-level 16-year-olds, Ronnie Homan, and Ronnie's parents, Ron and Judy, about Ronnie's development, um, his decision to make a move away from his family home to train full-time, and how his junior development process kind of evolved over the years. I think it's a really interesting conversation, and I'm hoping to be able to do this at least once a quarter on the podcast, have a different player and parent and coach come on and hopefully Robert will continue to come on and ask some really pointed questions. Although Robert is busy these days, he and Scott Colson, another Parenting Aces follower, have started their own podcast called the Payers and Players Podcast. So I hope you'll check that out. They have some very interesting conversations going between the two of them as the parents of 10 and under players who are on the high performance pathway for junior tennis. So I hope you enjoy this episode. As you will hear toward the end, we did record this prior to Indian Wells. So it was done a few weeks ago, but the information is so important and I really hope you gain something from it and that you'll leave me some comments and some feedback so I know what kind of stuff speaks to you in episodes like this. So, without further ado, Robert Garrett, Todd Whittem, Ronnie Homan, and his parents, Ron and Judy. Enjoy! I am so happy to finally get this podcast done. We have been talking about this for months. I have with us Robert Garrett, who is a tennis parent and He and I met last summer at an event in Atlanta for 10 and under high performance. His son Everett is a 10 and under player doing very well. And Robert had asked me if we could do some sort of panel discussion on the Parenting Aces podcast with a high level older junior that kid's parents, and coach. And so that's what we've got today. So with us on the line, not only do we have Robert, but we also have Ronnie Holman, Ronnie's coach, Todd Whittem, and Ronnie's parents, Ron and Judy. And we've got people coming from all over. So um, welcome all of you to the podcast. Thank you for having us. Sure, sure. Thank you. So, I, Ronnie, congratulations to you, first of all. By the time this airs, I, who knows how many titles you will have accrued, but you're having a great year. So, well done. And Coach Todd, well done to you, too. Thank, Thank you very you. much, Lisa. Thank you. All right. So, Robert, I'm going to be quiet, and I'm going to let you take over here and ask your first question. Yeah, so this is really exciting because I think – in the tennis world, you, what you see are parents who are operating anecdotally. And what do I mean by that? So they they see another kid who's having success, and they just say, well, what's this child doing? And then they start copying it. And not always, you know, perhaps that child's just uber talented, and not always is the what they're doing the cause of their success. It's just what they're doing. And so I 
I, it's good to have, you know, older children and older coaches, you know, in, in coaching, what I've noticed in tennis is you don't very often see um, coaches who are what I call fully realized. And, and what I mean by that is coaches who have been through the whole cycle where they, because let's be honest, you know, I'm, a, I'm an educator. The first couple years that you do, that you teach somebody something, you're not as good at it as, as each year goes by, you, you improve. And a fully realized coach, in my opinion, would be somebody who can take a child and help them meet their full potential or, or ability in the sport, whatever that may be, right? So you may have a child that their full ability is an 8 UTR or, and another one who it's a 13 UTR. And I think all parents would ask for is that their child reaches their full potential, whatever that may be. And, and so the, the thing I hear a lot, you know, my child just turned 10 is I hear coaches say a lot, well, winning isn't important in 10 and under and 12 and under. It doesn't really matter. Don't focus on the winning. And so the first part of the question is I want to know, because for a while I just said, okay, yeah, winning is not important. But then as I began to look at the players who are currently in, in the ATP top 100, they weren't necessarily number one in their 12 and under age division, but nationally they were all, you know, top 50. And so when it, when a coach says winning doesn't matter, I, I, I don't know that that's quite genuine because it kind of does. I mean, it, they kind of got to be at least on the boat, if you know what I mean. So I kind of want the parents and the players to talk about how much – because I know that, you, you know, being number one in the 12 and others under is not necessarily the most important. But you, you want to at least be on that national scene having some success. Do you not? Ron and Judy um, want to take this? Yeah, this, this, is, uh, this is Ron. So um, I understand completely uh, what you're feeling and, uh, and what you're seeing out there. Um, I think it's important to understand that, and it took us a while to understand that tennis is a marathon, and it's not a sprint. So the most important thing is to develop the fundamentals at a younger age, because as the children, uh, you know, get older, it gets a little more difficult to instill those values and those skills, you know, into their training. Uh, they, they, I think they learn a little bit quicker when they're younger. Um, I totally think, agree. Yeah, I, I think, you know, winning at a younger age, while people may say it's not that important, but the child needs to develop, uh, you know, some sort of confidence level. But he also needs to understand and learn how to lose. So I believe both, you know, winning and losing and understanding that, because you're working on fundamentals and you may lose a tournament, that's okay. Uh, but he also needs to understand on how to win at a younger age also. So it's really a double-edged sword you know, as far as I'm concerned. Ronnie, do you want to comment on that and maybe talk a little bit about how you felt in the 10s and 12s? Yeah, sure. I mean... In the 10s, I mean, my first couple of tournaments when I started, like, playing, like, you know, like, low-level, like, locals in, like, New York, I was – I didn't win a match for a while. I was getting killed, like, every single match. And, I mean, I don't really remember, like, how I specifically felt at that young, but I knew that my game was developing pretty nicely. And the wins – to me, in my opinion, that young. I mean, yeah, it's good to get some wins when you're young, but if it depends on what your goal is. Like, your goal is to be a professional or high-level college. To me, the results don't necessarily matter that much that young. But it's good to develop discipline and, like, the fundamentals of tennis at that young age. Todd, you want to jump in here because I have some thoughts on this, but I'll I'll bite my tongue. You'll know how hard it is for me not to talk. <laughs> sure, sure. So here here's here here are my thoughts about youngsters developing and and 
learning how to compete in the tens and twelves. Um, I think the coach needs to monitor basically how, how, how they're competing, how they're training. They need to make sure that they're not winning too much. They need to make sure they're not losing too much. If you're winning too much, that means that the competition is, is, is not good enough. You need, you need to step it up, maybe go up a level or, or so. Um, all the, all these things really need to be monitored. Um, in terms of fundamentals for, for each child, and, and many kids are coming out of tennis academies, each and every kid is different. And, 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 and I think coaches need to realize that. And, and, I, and any, any new potential client that comes to me, I'm looking at the size of the child, their techniques. I'm looking at their parents to see how big they're going to be in the future. Um, I'm seeing the attitudes, the, the, their athleticism. I'm looking at so many different things because in, in what I do every single day, my ultimate goal is to make sure that the kids are are really peaking by the time they're 16 to 18 years old. And by that age, you really need to make sure that there's a lot of very good things in place fundamentally and, and how they compete and, and making sure that they're winning, but they're also maybe not winning all the time to make sure that they're still learning. And so all these things really need to be monitored. And if they're not, then it can be a little difficult in terms of winning maybe too much at a, at a, at a young age, that could be detrimental, but also losing too much at a young age could be detrimental because you are dealing with fragile minds and, and confidence. And basically you want to make sure that they have a great balance so that they can keep thriving and they're still enjoying the game. So I want to just throw this out there, and I think this may be where you're coming from, Robert, and and correct me if I'm wrong, but the way the USTA junior comp system is set up, if you don't win, you don't get to play the higher level events. If you don't win, you don't get chosen for high performance camps and teams and um, zonals and all of those things. And so... Again, the way that our junior comp system is set up in this country, it kind of makes it so that you have to focus on winning. And I I would love to hear everybody's kind of thoughts on that and how you balance the way our junior comp system is set up with now we have UTR events, which, you know, hopefully helps us get around that. Um, this is uh, this is Ron again. Um, the one thing, uh, you know, when Ronnie was eight, nine, or ten years old, the system and structure was slightly different than it is today. Uh, you know, we had sectionals, and you had to be endorsed by your section, so it was a little bit different. So back then, when he was, you know, ten, eleven, and twelve, you know, he had to to be endorsed by your section to be able to get into a national tournament. And then even if you weren't endorsed, there were still maybe, you know, two dozen or three dozen spots left open on the national ranking list to be able to get into those tournaments. Um, I could understand back then the way they structured it, that they wanted the best people, the best players from each section to play in these tournaments. And I necessarily, necessarily don't disagree with that. So, um you know, you can work your way through the section and up the ladder, you know, and I think it's a, a pretty good way to understand on how your child's progressing, you know, within your section. When you get to national tournaments, it's a completely different story because you know, now you're competing with kids all across the country. So um, I don't think necessarily the structure of the USTA is incorrect. Um, you know, they want to get the best players into these national tournaments, which I tend to agree with, because you want the best uh, players and the best competition to be in those tournaments. So, you know, back when Ronnie was little, we just focused on many of those sectional tournaments to bring his ranking up, you know, but he also had to, you know, train hard and play well in them to, you know, get to that next level. So I I really didn't see an issue with it, you know, with my son when he played these tournaments in, in this type of USPA setting. Todd, do you yeah, want to speak I, to? Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Robert. Well, I'm sorry. All I was going to say is, is I don't, I don't really have a problem with how USTA does it 
what 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 I hear though a lot from coaches and from you know anybody who's discussing with you the growth of your child in tennis. Not so. My background is I was a I coached football and golf uh, for about twelve years and taught, and now I'm a school administrator. So dealing with with raising young people in athletics and and academics is kind of what I do. And and what I would say is the first thing was when you said that it's a whole lot easier to uh, teach a child when they're young, I always say that you have to get all you can in them by the time they hit 13, because at 13, they don't think anybody knows anything but themselves, right? I agree with you. Yeah. I'm going I'm to talk about this for a second now. <laughs> and well, I, I tell Everett's coaches all the time, I tell Everett's coaches all the time, as I, as I say, you got to get all you can in him by 13 because his consumption of the coaching will decrease dramatically, right? So right, no, Ronnie, I'm not saying, let's let Ronnie speak on that. I'm curious to hear what he says. Oh, they want Ronnie. You want Ronnie or Todd to talk about this? Oh, uh, well, who who said that? I thought, Ronnie, I thought that was you saying I, I have yeah, a. It, it was that me, but then I'll turn it over to Ronnie. So okay. I have many parents over these last seven years come to me and tell me, Todd, my, my, my child does not does not listen to me. And can you relay this message to them and make sure that you don't you don't tell them that it came from me? And if if a coach is very close with their players, which I am, my, my system is very small. Um, many times the kids are going to come to me before they go to their parents. Don't feel bad, parents that are listening to this. It's just a little bit of the reality. They they sometimes they're trying to break away from their parents. They don't want to listen to their parents. Whatever it is, maybe they're too embarrassed to maybe speak to their parents about maybe some some things that are going on in their life, you know, inside of tennis or outside of tennis. So in terms of children that are being receptive to maybe tennis, tennis training, um, you do have a window where you need to make sure that the fundamentals are very, very good by the time they reach a certain age. And I would say you're, you're correct. It's probably around 13 or 14 in, in my business of trying to place kids into college, which is the vast majority of the kids that, I, that I've trained, this hasn't been the case where they've had a great foundation. So what it actually takes is you have to go all day long with them to break a lot of tough habits. And it usually takes about six to nine months if you're doing it properly, um, many hours every day, which, you know, that could get costly. Maybe you don't have the time or whatever, whatever it shall be. But that, that's the reality. I've done it with a bunch of players. And it's very difficult. It's a very difficult job. So as I've spoken about on on Lisa's show um, bunches of times is that the foundation is very, very important. And if you miss those years of being able to teach a teach a young young tennis player proper foundation, then your 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 son or daughter is in is in major trouble of, of maybe having a thriving tennis career. They're they're behind. And so it, it becomes very difficult to catch up. But uh, I would like I would like Ronnie to talk about this now about what I just spoke about. So here you go, Ronnie. Okay. So when I, I first started taking lessons from Todd when I was around 12, 12, 13. And personally, my foundation I think was good, but not great when I first came to him. I mean, because I grew up indoors and every ball I was hitting was hard and like flat, which uh, is is not good for outside. If you're not going to be consistent and you're not going to stand the points, so he he spent a lot of time with me of hitting a heavier, higher and heavier ball, and staying more consistent. And that took, and still, I mean, it takes a while. I mean, I I did not. No one taught me that. No one taught me that how to like construct a point or anything like that. I was just taught to hit and just hit. And basically, so he had to develop that for me. And now when I play matches, it's, it's, a, it's so much better. I mean, I'm constructing points. I'm hitting heavier. I, it finally got to me that I have to do this in order to win. Ronnie, so how old are you now? I'm 16 right now. Okay. Yep. Okay, Robert, 
Well, and, and what I want what here's the thing is I think every parent, not every parent, a lot of parents understand that it's a marathon, right? The growth mindset, the the work to get a little bit every better every day. I tell Everett that all the time. I say you got to get a little bit better every day. You're not trying to get a whole lot better in a week. You're trying to get a little bit better every day, and you do that for ten years, and you're going to be a lot better. So I think parents understand that. But I think when a coach says the results don't matter in 12 and under, it's a little disingenuous. And here's why I say that. Scott, the guy that does the other podcast with us, he, he what he did is he took the, the college players and pros that, that are sophomores this year in NCAA. And some of those guys are, were, are pros. They're not actually playing college. And he went back to when they were 12 and under players nationally and he looked at the top 100 nationally in the 12 and under and of those 100 about 90 were in the top 100 nationally of the 14 and under and then about 80 were in the top 100 nationally of the 16 and under and then like 75 were in the top 100 in the 18. so i'm not saying that being good at 12 and under means you're going to be good at 18 and under but it was clear that those kids who were nationally ranked in the top 100 in the 12 and under stayed nationally ranked throughout their junior tennis career. So while I understand that having a, you know, a quality serve, being, in, you know, ha- being able to volley, being able to, to hit a, a fundamentally sound forehand and backhand and understanding the fundamentals of the game are important. I think when a coach says the results don't matter, the statistics show that they kind of do. If, and, and now we're not talking about kids who are, you know, they're going to be a nine UTR at 18 years old. I'm talking about kids who are trying to be number one at a Texas A&M, like Patrick Gibson. When he was 11, I think, he was number four in the country in the 12 and under. Now, he wasn't number one. When he was 18, he was number one. But he was on the boat, if you see what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And so I guess what I'm saying is, is – so that this leads into my second question, if you don't care, is is so how early do you start playing a young player in a national event? Do you play them as soon as they can get in it or do you wait until they can win it or kind of when do you start entering them in those events? I, I, actually, this is uh, Ronnie again. I can actually uh, tell you what we did with Ronnie. Uh, when Ronnie was eight years old, he played his first 12 and under national tournament. Okay. Um, I took him to the tournament myself. He played two matches and and took a beating. Um, and, uh, you know, I had many conversations with him and explained to him, you know, this is the type of level that you're going to see at these national tournaments. And he understood quickly uh, when he was young uh, you know, losing for many of these national tournaments for a couple of years, not even winning a match, but he understood that he had to continue to work hard and continue to excel to improve in these national tournaments. And as years have gone on, when he was 11, 12, 13, 14, Ronnie's been consistently ranked, I would think, in the top 20 and 12s, 14s, 16s, and I think he's number 50-something in the 18s now. Um, you know, he's been consistently ranked in that top 20 for those years. So me personally, from what I've seen, I would put them in the national tournament sooner, even if they got beat up. Uh, they need, you know, it's a lesson. It's a learning experience. Uh, it kind of opens the children's eyes to some of the other kids that are out there. And at that point in time, I really wasn't concerned with Ronnie winning those tournaments. I knew he wouldn't win. But I wanted to, him to experience being in those tournaments. So later, or, or later in his life, or later in his teen years, he would have a lot more experience under his belt to compete and and play deeper into these tournaments and possibly win them at a you know at a twelve or a fourteen or a sixteen year old age. And you know I'm not saying that that's the perfect method. That's just the method that we followed. And you know, now that Ronnie is playing probably his best tennis of his career at this age, um, I think, you know, that experience has helped along with the current coaching with Todd has helped immensely also. 
But one other thing I do want to add is that in the past two and a half to three years, us as parents have really taken a back seat and not have been involved in Ronnie's tennis as much as we were when he was younger. Uh, you know, we found Todd, you know, like Ronnie said, when he was 12 years old. And it's been two years to this month that Ronnie has now been living in Florida training with Todd. And we have very little exposure to Ronnie's tennis at all and, and only see a handful of matches during the course of the year. So I, I think as parents, we stepped away to allow Todd to do his job because we felt comfortable with Todd as a coach uh, to work with Ronnie and help his tennis game and career, uh, you know, you know uh, I guess, improve over the last two years. And it really, it was a big step for us as parents and also a big step for Ronnie to move. So, you know, Ronnie's game has really transitioned over the last couple of years and has improved dramatically. And I think it's really twofold. Us as parents, knowing when to step away, okay, and let the professionals do their job and having the confidence in Ronnie's coach to be able to do that job. And I think that's really the most important thing we have done over the last two years. And I believe that is one of the reasons or the main reason why Ronnie has excelled over the last six to 12 months. Ron, can I ask you, you said that when you took Ronnie to the national events when he was eight, nine, and Mm -hmm. you know, he wasn't winning matches looking back on that. Do you still feel like that was the best use of your time and money? It probably was not the best use of my time and money, but for Ronnie to experience bigger kids, older kids, the different level he needed to play at and understand what he needed to do, even at that age, Ronnie was able to understand what he needed to do and what he needed to improve on. From that aspect, yes. From the aspect of money and my time, no. But at that point, it's not a, it wasn't about me and it wasn't about my money. It was really all about Ronnie and helping him experience those tournaments. Um, if I look back at it today, and if you ask me if I would change anything, um, I wouldn't change any of that, to be honest with you. The only thing that I would have changed is probably where Ronnie was training at that time. Maybe I would have had him in Florida. Uh, with a coach like Todd sooner than when we started two years ago. Great. Robert, next question. Yeah, and that, that's a fascinating answer because it, it leads into the what what I was going to ask next is, is I think one thing I've noticed is too many of the parents, and, and remember, all my questions are, are guided towards a kid who's trying to be top 100 Ashley and play – you know, top three at an SEC type college or university, right? So I understand that the answers are different if you're dealing with a child who you're just trying to enjoy tennis and keep in tennis for a lifetime because their goals are different. But I hear a lot of times people say exactly about the the fragile mind and the confidence. But what I, I think the majority of parents I've seen, and one thing I wish I would have known along a lot long, sooner was exactly what you said we spent time in the red ball and green ball and 10 and under whenever it was eight and nine when he actually should have probably been playing yellow ball at a national or a southern level you know two type event and and he built up a false sense of confidence and and the reality is is i think that a a kid who's going to be very very good they have a resilience that's not like a normal kid. So when Ronnie goes at eight years old and nine years old and he gets beat, it motivates him to go improve instead of demotivates him and makes him want to play a different sport. Do you agree with that or disagree? Uh, I know I have to step in on this one. I'm sorry if I'm hogging the time, but this is Ron again. Uh, Ronnie was, Ronnie first started playing tennis. He was three years old. He started with those big round, those, you know, I guess it was those red and yellow foam balls. And within a few months, 
Ronnie was hitting regular tennis balls at the age of three. Uh, Ronnie played his first tournament at the age of five. That was the Little Mo tournament um, uh, up in, I think it was uh, somewhere in Mount Kisco, I believe. And Ronnie went to the Little Mo tournament. He played a competitive match at five years old, lost both matches, but it was a great experience for him. Um, I don't think Ronnie would be at this level he's at today if he started with the quick start balls and played the green ball until 10. It just I don't I don't think that happens, and maybe you know some coaches or some parents may not like that answer, but I can just tell you from experience and from what I've done with Ronnie, he was hitting a regular tennis ball at three years old, at four and five, and training at five years old. So uh, he never hit a green ball, and nor would I have ever allowed him to hit a green ball at that point in time, and it really wasn't even available. I don't think at that time, to be honest with you. But, uh, again, I just, you know, I'm not – I was never a fan of the quick start uh, tennis uh, based on, you know, from what I've seen. But then again, I haven't really seen other juniors come up to, you know, a national level through the quick start program because I've kind of been out of that for a while. So I really can't speak uh, intelligently about uh, players who have come through that. So, um, but just from my own experience, I wouldn't have hit, have Ronnie hit those balls. Ronnie, well, and let me can I let me say this real quick just to piggyback on what you said is then you know we we looked at the rankings then we went back and we looked at the kids who were top twenty in the ten and under southern rankings and how many of them made it to the top fifty of the twelve and under fourteen sixteen or eighteen and under rankings and of those kids of those twenty kids in the top twenty in the ten and under it would be like one or two made it into, into the top echelon, even just in the southern section. So what you just said makes people uncomfortable, but statistically it's correct. Ronnie, yeah. I was going to ask you if if you've talked to any of your buddies that came up through, like, the red, orange, green stuff, because – my son just missed all that. Thank God <laughs> we didn't have to, we didn't have to make those choices, but I, I feel like maybe you were, you're still young enough that maybe some of your peers went through that kids that you play at tournaments, you know, in your age group. Is that right? Um, I mean, I, I don't really know anybody that has done that to be honest. I can't really tell you. I don't know. Okay. Okay. All right. I, I just, you know, I've never been a fan of it. Um, I, I think it's, you know, one of those things that um, as a beginner, you know, you start the kids out on the bigger balls, but when they're ready to progress, you let them progress. You don't hold them back just because of when their birthday is. And um, it's it's been an interesting kind of process to watch now from a distance because I, I don't have a kid in it anymore. And uh yeah, I mean, I, I think what you had to say about that, Ron, was dead on. Todd, from the coaching side, what's your thought? Well, usually the the, the client that comes to me is, is older. So I don't, I don't have a bucket of green balls <laughs> and orange balls and red tennis balls. Oh, come on now. <laughs> um, but I will tell you a little, little story. I had a boy that came to me from Russia. And he was about eight years old. And this kid, he was, he brought his own hopper of balls. And I think we were using the green ball. And he was really good. The techniques, the foundation, you could tell that he was trained very, very well in Russia. So when we went through a bunch of drills and everything, and I, and I realized how good he was. And I trained him for a couple of weeks when he was visiting South Florida. I got him out of that ball. <laughs> Sorry, it may not be politically correct. but I said, we're going to use, you're, you're, you're so far advanced for your age and everything that we're going to start using a real tennis ball. And the, and the father was fine with it and everything. So, you know, I mean, I, I grew up in an era in, in, in American tennis where there were phenomenal players and, and, and none of them were brought up on, on those types of tennis balls. So, you know, I mean, m most of the kids that I'm training are, are usually teenagers or they're 10 to 12 years old, depending on who, who's who's giving me a call. But, you know, I, I don't I don't I don't you know, I, I don't have any hoppers or buckets or anything full of those types of tennis balls. 
Gotcha. All right, Robert, go. All right, so the, the next question comes on the the coach's ability. You know, one, one thing I've noticed, and, and this gets sensitive too, um, but I also say in schools, the, the two times you can get parents to be irrational is when you're dealing with their kids or their money, right? And so a coach is dealing with both. <laughs> um, so the difficulty is that I've noticed is the number of really, really coach, good coaches out there is very minimal. And and so then what I wonder is what y'all's opinion is on how important the coach you pick it pick and the child's development. In other words, how much does the coach you choose for your child end up impacting the ability and the skill of the child? What What's your opinion as parents and players? Be nice, Ron. <laughs> All right, so I guess uh, I guess Ron's got to go first here. Um, go ahead, Ron. For, fortunately uh, for Ronnie, uh, Ronnie's had some very good coaches during his career. Um, you know, I, I'm not I, I'm not going to name them or do I know the number of coaches, but you know, you know, over his you know 12 or 13 years of playing tennis, I can't believe I'm even saying that he's only 16 years old. Um, He's probably had about, you know, eight or nine coaches. <clears throat> and, you know, he would have a coach in New York. You know, we would go to Florida. We would train at certain camps and, you know, try other camps. And, and we would try all different ones out. And over time, uh, when, when Ronnie was younger, it was very difficult to find a coach that would work on the fundamentals with him. Fortunately for us, we had many good coaches for Ronnie when he was growing up. Um, I think when it came to the point where he was 12 and 13 years old, um, I just think we needed to go a different way or have a different path for Ronnie. And that was looking more towards a coach that had the same kind of vision that Ronnie had. You know, Ronnie's vision right now is to play professional tennis. That's what he wants to do. So we needed to find some coaches who went through that system and and that same path that Ronnie's looking to go through so we went through a couple of other coaches and you know by word of mouth we ended up you know landing with Todd at you know uh, when Ronnie was 12 we would go down and Ronnie would train in Florida with Todd for a few weeks here and there and you really have to understand and get feedback from your son or daughter on how they feel working with the coach and as Ronnie and Todd, you know, built this relationship, you know, for maybe a year or two before Ronnie finally moved down there. Uh, Ronnie, at the age of 14, you know, it, it, I think it was uh, February of 2004, uh, sorry, February 2016, you know, Ronnie actually came to us and said, Mom and Dad, I want to move to Florida and live with Todd and train with him. And, you know, we were not surprised by it, but Ronnie understood he wanted to take it to the next level. You know, he had to be comfortable with that coach. Okay. Understand his philosophy of teaching. Okay. And also realize that he's going to be away from his family and he needs to have the dedication and mindset to put the hours in and train to be the player that he wants to be in the future. So, um, that that's, you know, it, it really, as a parent, you need to recognize and try to find those coaches the sooner the better because I, like you, went to many different academies and so so many coaches that just wouldn't fit with Ronnie. Ronnie, do you want to speak to that too about making that choice to devote full-time to your tennis and make the move down to Florida? Um, yeah, I mean, it, to be honest, it wasn't really a tough decision for me. I mean, the toughest part about it for me was, uh, moving away from like my family. Like I didn't care about like school or like the friends cause I knew I would just meet new people. So that didn't really bother me, but that's just what I wanted to do. I mean, I wanted to get better and I knew this was the only way that would happen was to move down here full-time and train with the coach that I want to train with. 
really. So, yeah. And I mean, just from a kind of operational standpoint, like how often do you see your parents? Do you get to go home? Do they come down to visit you? How does that work? Yeah, I mean, so probably I go back to New York, I would say once every six weeks or so. But my parents uh, have a place down here and they come down on all like the the normal school breaks, like spring break, uh, Christmas break, stuff like that. And I, when they're down here, I stay with them. So it's not really like I see them often. So it's not like I never see them. So that's, that's good. Right. And what does school look like for you? Um, I went to public school in, uh, from kindergarten through seventh grade. And then eighth grade is when I transitioned to online school. And since eighth grade till now, I'm in 11th grade right now. Uh, I've been doing online school. And to me, it's, it, it just depends on what the player wants to do, if you want to go into online school or not. But you feel like you're getting the education you need and, and all of that. Yeah, yeah, I, the education is great. I mean, um. Yeah, I mean it's great to me, in my opinion. And I know, I know your goal is to play professionally, but is college tennis part of that pathway? It may be. Uh, I honestly don't really know yet. I'm not sure. Okay. I mean, you're a junior, so have you started the recruiting process at all, or are you just kind of keeping things on hold? I mean, I've talked to some coaches, but. Not, I've never. I don't really have a list like of like colleges that say, "Oh, I'm like, I want to go there." Or, oh, I'm doing this, do that. I mean, I haven't really thought about it. Like I've, a little bit, obviously, but not that much. Gotcha, Robert. You got another follow up? Yeah. So the the next one is what. Here's what else I've noticed is. So imagine Nick Saban who's the coach at Alabama coaching all week with his players and then not showing up for the game on Saturday and just saying, you know, uh, tell your parents to let me know how it goes. And what was hard. <laughs> I mean, no, no one. Can, he, well, I mean, it's mind boggling, isn't it? No, I mean, it's, it's mind boggling. Yes. And, and so here's the thing is, is like, I've seen lots of really good coaches. And and I and I and I'm asking this to the coach that's that's on the call because I, I want to know if what I'm saying is reasonable, right? So I coached for a lot of years, and I can tell you as a coach there were hours, and I did it for a living. It was what I got paid to do. There, there were hours I spent because I was passionate about it, and I wanted to see the kids improve that I wasn't paid to do. But I felt like if they're going to get better, sometimes you show up. And you do things that are above and beyond. And what I see in tennis a lot is tennis pros who expect to be compensated for every second they're being that they're of their time that's being used in their official capacity. And what's difficult about that is so as a parent, your child's coached all week, you drive them to the tournament, and you get there, you watch them play, you come back with notes. But the reality is, is the pro is it's it's what I call grab bagging. So as a coach, imagine a, an offensive coordinator in football, and he's trying to decide what play to run on the next play. And there's two types of coaches. There's offensive coordinators who run a play because of what the defense is doing. And then there's offensive coordinators who just say, well, I'd, let's just run this one. They're just pulling it out of the bag. Like, well, here's a good play. Let's run this one. And I see a lot of tennis pros doing that, too. You show up for the lesson. And they're just grab bagging out of their bag of drills because they didn't go over the weekend and watch the matches and work on what the child actually has to improve on. So as a pro, how reasonable is it for me to think, you know, if you care about the development of your players, why wouldn't you go and watch them? Well, Todd, I guess that's for you. (laughs) Here you go. And and, and I'll, I'll let you know. So, if you want to take Ronnie for an example, 
So Ronnie moved down to, you know, to live with me two years ago. And almost every single tournament, there has been either me or the coach that trained me for 20 years with Ronnie at all times. And the only time that actually did not happen was this past weekend when I told him, I said, I'm not coming to your matches until you're in, what was it? I think it was the quarterfinals on Monday. Then I will show up. If you don't make it to the quarterfinals on Monday, then you don't deserve to have me there. So, but <laughs> You're harsh, <okay>. man. <laughs> well, if you watch hey, my like social that. media, it's way more harsh. So here's the deal. <laughs> Ronnie has been monitoring. Mean, if you want to take Ronnie for an example, Ronnie, I have been monitoring this kid every single thing he does for the last two years. I've put together a system. He's had two private coaches on him. This is not what the majority of kids are getting in, in their tennis training and management uh, of them. Okay, so Ronnie's parents sent Ronnie to me two years ago. Well, more than that, but full-time two years ago. And so, you know, if he's going to make that type of commitment and his parents are going to send him away, to me, and, and they're going to expect me to do a phenomenal job, I was going to put together this unbelievable support team and, and group and, and everything that I know and my knowledge and the best people I know to put around this young man to see how good he can become at tennis. Um, he's had two private coaches. I monitor what he eats. I monitor his fitness. I monitor everything that this kid is doing, his body work, his stretching, his recovery, you name it, it is monitored because it's realistic for this young man to become a very, very high-level professional tennis player. But also, his parents have put 100% trust in me. Now, in terms of going to tournaments, Ronnie's had a lot of very good coaching on the road, and that's with a professional that's been training the best tennis players and producing champions at the junior level, college level, and professional level for over 30 years. He travels, and it was the guy that produced me from when I was six to when I retired from the ATP Tour at 26 years old. So he's one of the best coaches that I know that I've ever seen. Obviously, I trained with him, but I've been around some of the best coaches in the world, not only Pierre that travels with Ronnie, but but other coaches as well. So it's it's pretty serious. Now, in terms of, of coaches not going the tournaments to me that that's that's ridiculous do they need to go to every single tournament no but do they need to be going to half of the tournaments or three quarters of the tournaments and see how their pupil is performing and how they're handling the stress and what is breaking down and what do we need to work on and and, and all these different aspects yeah if, if you actually care for the for the for the young man or 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 woman then you need to be doing those things. That that's your job. And and really, if if you care for the, for for the junior player, you want them to pro- progress, and you want them to to do great things. I mean, hopefully that's why you're training junior tennis players. Um, so maybe maybe some coaches want to be compensated for for their time and and whatever. I mean, I don't know how each and every coach handles it in the country. Um, it probably varies. Um, but the way that I look at it is that the the kids that that I send to tournaments, uh, obviously that I'm training on a daily basis full time, they're representing me and my system. And so every time that they go and play a tournament, that that's representing me. It's representing their parents. It's representing it's representing my training, my system. So I want to make sure that they're doing the proper things in tournaments. If I didn't care or if I had a mass system of many kids running around, then it may be a different story. Um, I don't have an academy with masses of kids. I have a very select little group of kids that I monitor every single day. These kids are very, very close to me. Their parents have put 100% trust in me to to do the proper job and to be a mentor and and really show them what what this game of tennis is about and, and also to teach them how to handle themselves and their life skills and, and all those different types of things that, that, that I, that I address and do on a daily basis. 
but Todd, Todd not, let me just interrupt you. I I just want to ask. So when when you tell a, a family how much it's going to cost for their child to work with you in your system, that price includes your presence or one of your coaches' presence at the tournaments, right? It's it's built into what you're charging the family. Well, it it kind of it kind of depends. So basically, it depends if the tournament is in the area or not. Um, many many times, I may not spend the whole day at a tournament that's in that's in the area, but I'm going to pop around and watch a match here and a match there. It kind of depends. I mean, sometimes, you know, unfortunately, sometimes a first round match may be so lopsided that I may not show up. I'll go to the afternoon match, quite honestly. And 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 the parents and the kids they know that then and they even say, eh, don't come to this one. You know this this won't be a problem. And it's not underestimating. I mean, they look at the level and I'm thinking to myself, well, I could spend a little time with my family because I've already spent 30 hours a week with, with these select kids. So mm-hmm. I'll pop around to maybe the second round match or the quarterfinal match that, that, I, that is going to be, you know, that is going to be a good test for, for my student. Um, in terms, in terms of the money, it depends on whether it's in the area or they're traveling, you know? So, you know, that, that's kind of, that's kind of how I, how I base it. Gotcha. I, I mean, I just think it's important to ask that question because I think it's a question on a lot of parents' minds. Well, and here's the thing. I don't see any parent in America who would think that's unreasonable. I mean, I don't, if I think that my child's either going to get beat 0-0 or win 0-0, I don't, wouldn't expect you to even be there. You're not going to learn anything from that. But if it's close, well, that's that's yeah, when well, the coach well, can if, see him. I mean, well, well. If I think that one of my players is going to get drummed in a tournament, I want to actually show up for that one because yeah, that's true. they're going to learn a lot and they're going to really understand the things that they need to get better at. And it's probably something that, or many things that we're addressing um, in practice, but now they're seeing and feeling it in, in a, in a pressure packed situation, which, which is obviously when you're competing in a tournament, you know, that's, that's the most pressure packed situation that, that these young players are going to face. So, um, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I do want to see those matches. Robert, you got one more. We're coming down to the end of our hour. Well, and I'm going to I'm gonna say two different ones. And and if if we could just kind of finish on it. The, the first is, so you, when I hear you say you work with a select number of kids and the parents pay you, the first thing that comes to mind is, you know, in our country, I feel like tennis is one of the few sports that your barrier to meeting your max potential is is money and coaching, right? I mean, like you, you think about when I coach football, the poorest American in, in the country can meet their maximum potential in football because of the structure of school football that exists. Um, so how, let's say you do come across a child who's top five nationally and they decide they want to come to you but their parents are just teachers or firemen or policemen and they can't afford what an average academy would be say a thousand bucks a month or whatever it is man is that one of those things where where it's well i'm here this is what i charge and that's how it works or because a lot of parents would have that question because i think more parents would go into an environment like that if because my thing in education is I always say you don't treat everybody the same, what we call fair. You treat people how they deserve to be treated, which is equitable, right? Um, so how, how does that work as a coach when you have a player who who comes to you like that? Yep. So, you know, b- based on how, how some of my players have been doing over the last seven years since I've been, you know, training kids in a very small system, it's it's difficult. So people come to me and say, I can't afford this or I can't afford that. Or can you give me a discount? Can you do this? And quite honestly, unfortunately, I can't take on players that, that need that, that an academy that takes on many players, 30, 50 players, they, they could afford to do that in my system. It's myself and it's a very well-renowned coach that's been training phenomenal players for 30 to 35 years in South Florida. So it's just both of us. So we can only handle so many students at a time. So he wants to make a a great living. I obviously want to make a great living. So when you have such a small, small number of students that are with us that are getting our attention five hours a day, 
you, it's really hard to take on a scholarship player because when my system is full and I have a scholarship player or multiple scholarship players and someone calls me and says, hey, Todd, I'm willing to pay you full price and everything. Do I get rid of that, that student that can't be affording my full rate? Then it becomes very, very tricky. When you have a yeah. mass system, you, you can afford to do that. And, and, right. and, and that's great. You know, it, it, it's great. Everyone's trying to earn a living. But in, in my system, I've based it all on quality. And so there's certain things that I do that, that are quite different than, than many other systems or academies in, in the United States. But, you know, pe- people are coming to me from, from all over the country. And in fact, I have a boy from England that, that's coming in a couple of weeks. So maybe all over the world. And they're coming for quality. So it, it, it's and quality costs money. Yeah, absolutely. I well, mean, I could, hire, I could hire me, coaches that are very low level. That are let cheap. me throw this out there, though. There are people and companies who are willing and want to sponsor talented athletes. And so I, you know, I would say, I get you, Todd, that, you know, absolutely, you've got to make a living. You've got kids and a wife and you've got a mortgage to pay, I'm sure. Um, so I understand where you're coming from, but I will also say for those people listening who are saying, well, you know, my kid doesn't have a chance. Well, they do have a chance. You just may have to work a little harder to figure out how to finance it. And, and there are people and companies, as I said, um, I wish USTA did a little more on that front. Um, I mean, they do have some grants, but, uh, very minimal, you know, very yeah, minimal, minimal, but, but the manufacturers, the, the manufacturers are very generous. Um, you know, and, and I, I had an opportunity actually at the US Open one year. I sat next to this couple that they were watching a Canadian player. <laughs> And they had sponsored him from a very young age, from like age seven. They were his financial backers for him to train. And, and now they were at the U.S. Open watching him compete. So there are people out there with money who are willing to help. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, can I, can I, the last thing I wanted was, was, do you mind? So we've got Ronnie's coach, Ronnie and Ronnie's parents. Is that right on the line? Yep. Yes. So I want. I wondered, knowing that my child just turned ten, and and I would I would say, you know, if he's playing like a Southern Level Two tournament, he's making it like to the quarters, Southern Level Three semis or finals, and at Little Mo nationally, he made it to the semis. You know, so it's, you know, when they're eight, nine years old, you don't know. That's not an indictment on who they're going to be ultimately, but he has ability and, and, I, and I try not to be that parent who has I'll never forget I had a parent come to me who thought their child was the next Peyton Manning and he couldn't even play on the middle school level you know and so I try not to be that parent right but but what would each of those three people the coach Ronnie and his parents what what would y'all give advice to me in, so that I can give him the best opportunity to be successful? Who's going first? Uh, I'll, I'll go first. This is Ron. Um, well, one thing is what I, I, I what you said is I, I love that he's playing the Little Mo tournaments. I honestly think that's one of the best tournaments for kids 8, 9, and 10 years old to play. Uh, so if he can make it to the national tournament and make it deep into that Little Mo tournament, I think that gives you a pretty good gauge that, you know, you have a talented player. I think it's a great tournament. Ronnie won the Little Mo when he was 10 years old. So um, it, it's a fun tournament. It's great for little kids. Uh, so that, that's, that's great that I'm hearing that he's doing that. Um, the one thing that I would uh, tell you as a parent is I would try to get him into the national tournaments as much as, much as possible so he can get a, a sense of how competing at that level feels like. Even if he loses a match 0-0. Sometimes those are the best lessons a young child can learn. And, and you can see how a match like that will motivate him to work harder. So, um, you know, the one piece of advice that I can tell you is, you know, play some tournaments, try to play some high-level tournaments, and 
find the coach that you can trust, work on his fundamentals, and continue to develop his game. And as a parent, support that. And, you know, try not to be too overbearing as a parent to your child. Because the most important thing is, and I've learned this, you know, over the course of Ronnie's, you know, short career, that, um, you know, in, in the tennis world, it's very difficult, okay, when you watch your son and daughter or daughter play tennis, to be that parent first rather than trying to be a coach. So, you know, it was difficult for me, you know, when Ronnie was growing up to kind of differentiate that. Um, but it, it took some time for me to learn that, you know, it's better for me to be Ronnie's dad rather than trying to be his coach and leave it up to the professionals to do their job. Okay. But you need to find the coach that works best with your child. Todd? Yeah, that was, that was well put. Um, in terms of, in terms of a youngster coming, coming through, I would keep that young player as local as possible. And until they start dominating and really outgrowing their area, then I don't think that there's that you need to really be venturing to many, many far places throughout the country. Now, if you want to take your child to go play a national here and there every once in a while so they get a taste of some of some different competitions, see some different players, maybe get beat up a little bit in the in those tournaments for a little bit of a wake up call, I think that's great. But what I'm seeing is many kids that are traveling all over all over the country and they're still struggling in, in, in their sectionals. It could be locals, it could be small nationals that, that are in their that are in their sections and so that was that was never something that I did at a young age, and I kept many times I kept losing to the same players, and I had to work harder, and I needed to improve, and I needed to handle situations differently or better in matches, and and that's how I was growing. I didn't have the funds to be traveling all over the country to be chasing points and doing those types of things. So we, my my coach and and my and my mom and myself, we came up with a plan that we were going to stay as local as possible every once in a while when I needed to play a national or a super national. We would travel, but it took it took a long time for for me to be beating players on a regular basis and winning tournaments regularly. That didn't happen for me until I was about sixteen years old. So I and and obviously Ronnie started tennis at a very young age. I started tennis, and I started I started serious tennis when I was about six to seven years old. Ronnie was younger, which is a little bit more rare. Um, but I didn't I didn't start really producing great results until, if you look at it this way, it was ten years of very tough, disciplined training before someone said, "Wow, th- this guy really has a chance to go very, very high level." Um, so. So that's uh, that's kind of the way the way that that I that I look at it, and but it also depends on how well your coach is is managing that player, and and I always harp on this many times on Lisa's shows is that is that the management of the player is extremely important, and and also the management of 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 the parents and the communication is extremely important, and I think that's where many times in math systems that that gets lost. And so then the parents are guessing and they're scrambling and they're and they're spending money and there's mismanagement of of the of the young player and maybe they're playing too many tournaments and their confidence is struggling and and it can become a very big mess. So when you are choosing a coach, you got to make sure that they have the best in, interest of of your son or daughter, and you got to make sure that they are very experienced in in managing players all throughout different stages of their junior tennis career and and maybe into college and and hopefully maybe into professional tennis. And that's so hard to find. I would tell you that's so hard to find. <laughs> For sure. All right, Ronnie, your turn. Okay, so a key thing coming from a player's perspective is the player has to like his or her surroundings. I I feel like if the player doesn't like 
coach, even though it's good training, I still feel like the player has to enjoy what he's what he he or her is doing. Because if they don't enjoy it, I think the passion to play the sport will go away. So I think overall, the player has to like the coach, bond with the coach, and make sure that it's the right fit for the player. I mean, that's really it for me. I mean, you just got to like it. This is awesome. Well, I want to thank all of you so much for doing this with us. And I, I would love to do it again. I know Robert's got a lot more questions and um, maybe we can do a, a follow-up call uh, maybe in a few weeks and, and Robert, keep your list of questions and, and we'll, we'll ask them next time. Thank y'all for doing this. This was, I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Yeah, we enjoyed it. Ironically, we enjoyed it, too. It was great. Awesome. Well, thank you, guys. I am, well, I shouldn't say this on the air. I'm going to say it on the air anyway. I am headed to Indian Wells tomorrow, but by the time this airs, Indian Wells will be long over. But um, So I'm going to go finish packing and do my nails. And for the rest of you, thank you so much for tuning in, and we'll catch you next time on Parenting Aces. I'm Lisa Stone, and you've been listening to the Parenting Aces podcast. For tennis parents, by a tennis parent. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe to us and write a review on iTunes. For more information on navigating the junior and college tennis journey, please visit us online at ParentingAces.com. Thanks for tuning in and sharing us with your tennis community.